Who are the great trees in your life? When her friend James Baldwin died, Maya Angelou penned a poem entitled, When Great Trees Fall. I was so touched by this poem that I recently took it with me on a long run, hoping to reflect upon the great trees in my life, express my gratitude for them, and commit myself to paying forward the gifts they shared with me so that I can one day serve myself as a great tree in the lives of others. Many different people filled my mind, but I could not escape the notion that one of the greatest trees in my life is the Episcopal Church. I grew up attending a suburban church planted in the 1950s that my grandparents helped establish. When the time came to stop worshiping in the parish hall and to build a sanctuary, members of the congregation took out personal loans in their own names to fund the project. St. James Episcopal Church in Shreveport, Louisiana, taught me through acts of faith like this about the power of believing in your neighbor, investing in your community, and building something for the next generation. A group of people coming together has a strength beyond any individual going it alone. Two generations later, many of these same folks supported my mother and I as my father struggled with narcotics and methamphetamine. When my dad shot himself, these were the people to call and check in. I've been plugged into various teams, clubs, organizations, but the church has played a deeper role in showing up for me. The people of St. James taught me through the way they live their lives what it looks like to love your neighbor. I've met many other Episcopal churches down the road, large and small, urban and rural, well-resourced, barely getting by. Another St. James, located in a quiet neighborhood in Jackson, Mississippi, taught me what it means to serve your neighbor. St. Bart's on Park Avenue in New York City taught me what it means to welcome your neighbor. My list could go on. In every place that I have lived, the Episcopal Church has grounded me, contributed to the formation of my values, and helped me embrace my true self, all without having to quote chapter and verse in the Bible. I've never been given a faith-based litmus test discouraged from asking questions, told that I am unworthy or judged for what I'm going through. Not only did the Episcopal Church raise me, but it has served as a faithful companion and guidepost in my best moments and in my worst, sharing with me a unique generosity and consideration that have made all the difference in my life. I understand that many people have come to the conclusion that organized religion has no place with them, that religion's been a toxic force that has harmed them, lied to them, been wielded as a weapon against others. I don't judge that decision. 
I also understand that by chance I happen to grow up Episcopalian, but could have just as easily been born Methodist or Jewish, Muslim or atheist. All of this being said, healthy religion has played a foundational and transformational role in my personal growth. In this life that is hard enough due to everyday challenges, which are made all the more complicated by the hatred and polarization pulsating through our national discourse, the Episcopal Church has served as one of my great trees by encouraging me to see the world through God's eyes and not my own. This morning's gospel is about learning to see the world through God's eyes. Referred to as a challenge parable or a reversal story, I encourage you to take this lesson seriously, but not literally. A rich man is indifferent to the suffering of Lazarus, who lives on the other side of his gate. Neither of these men are described as being moral or immoral, but rather they're simply described as being rich and poor. By the end of the parable, both have died, and in the afterlife, their roles have been reversed. The rich man finds himself in Hades, and the poor man has been carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. Some scholarship argues that this is a folktale meant to lift the spirits of the suffering, reiterating to them that things will, in fact, get better. Others have interpreted the story rather simplistically as making the point that good people go to heaven and bad people go to hell. The message that resonates with me, however, is that this rich man was not insulated from the struggles of his neighbor. His indifference towards his neighbor ultimately costs him his soul. We're connected to one another. We do not live closed off, insulated lives. When we fail to see our neighbors, our souls pay the price. Christianity has become so hijacked by voices that ignore Jesus' message of connection, inclusion, mercy, solidarity with the poor. Both toxic religion and divisive politics claim to have God on their side, but they often lack basic care, concern, and acceptance for one another. Jesus makes the point over and over again that God does not see things the same way that we do. One of the pivot points in our spiritual journeys is when we're finally able to drop our arrogance and begin trying to see the world in the way that God sees it. This morning, we're kicking off our stewardship campaign for 2023, led by Charlie Bolden, Eleanor Billington and Greg LaBelle. You'll hear from them later. I'm so grateful for them as a team and how they reflect our Christchurch community. Charlie and his wife have been members for decades. Eleanor and her young family joined years ago but then moved abroad. 
Greg and his husband are relative newcomers. The theme of our campaign this year is an invitation to belong. When we attempt to see through God's eyes, we cannot escape the realization that everyone belongs. For those of you who are new and are wondering, what are you talking about, stewardship? Our stewardship campaign is our effort to raise money for the next year. Christ Church is completely self-supporting. The primary way that we fund our ministries and operations is through the giving of those who come to church. Folks in this room give in a variety of ways, weekly, monthly, every six months, by check, by credit card, by stock. Some of us give 10%, others of us give $100 a month. Most of us are somewhere in between. I want to ask you this morning to seriously consider what belonging to Christ Church means to you, to pray about that, and then to pledge as generously to this community as makes sense for you. To that end, I'll share that Tate and I will be pledging $475 a month to Christ Church. It's important for you to know that we are in. During this unprecedented time, as we continue to stand in uncharted territory, there is also a lot of wonderful growth happening at Christ Church. We had two baptisms at nine this morning, and we have three more in just a moment. This is a season of emergence. Please share your good fortune so that we can build a community of belonging together. In God's eyes, everyone belongs. I want to raise my boys in a community where everyone belongs. I want to be a part of changing the narrative around what it means to be religious, from one of exclusion to one of inclusion. I want to be a part of changing our national discourse from one of us versus them to one of we belong to each other. When the idea of everyone belonging becomes the compass by which we live, other values of God begin to flow through us, connection, inclusion, mercy, solidarity with the poor. We move from feeling like we don't have enough to a space where we're grateful for what we do have. Our thinking becomes less me, 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 and more thank you, thank you, thank you. Meister Eckert says that if the only prayer you ever say in your entire life is thank you, it will be enough. In the final sonnet of When Great Trees Fall, Maya Angelou writes, they existed, they existed. We can be, be, and be better for they existed. It is incumbent upon us as the current stewards of this community to ensure that Christ Church stands as a great tree. Let us commit ourselves to putting into action what we have learned from the other great trees in our lives so that we can stand as a great tree for the next generation. In the name of God. Amen.